Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers uh, for the late hour. Thank you for staying up. And that's why I love you guys. It's like you guys understand, you know, there's something going on, and you're still here. And I love you for that. Thank you so much. It means the world to me that, you know, uh, I come on a little bit later and you guys are still here. So thank you so much. If you are joining us for the first time tonight and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. This show is simultaneously streamed to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch every night. Our normal start time is 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. This week, the schedule has been a little bit off, and I apologize for that. Uh, Starting Monday, well, starting tomorrow... And then continuing through Monday, we are going to be resuming our normal schedule. Monday and Tuesday, we have special guests, and that will definitely be starting at 9.30. I want to say a big welcome to some of our viewers here. We have Cece Wheezy, who's joining us, longtime viewer. Colette is with us on Facebook. Stone Walkers is also joining us on YouTube. On the Instagram side, we have Bell Mary, Belly Buttons jo- joining us, Jay Wallow uh, is also here, uh, Connie is saying hello as well, welcome to everybody, and I gotta tell you what guys, you guys can keep a secret, I watched The Walking Dead last night, and yeah, I was late, I was really late in watching this latest episode, Daryl, oh my god, Daryl hooked up. And you guys kept it an absolute secret from me. Not, I mean, nobody spilled the beans. And that's just amazing. Something huge like that, Daryl hooking up. I had to rewind it and make sure I watched that scene quickly. Because it's the kind of thing that if you blink, you missed it. <laughs> so it wasn't the big, like, we didn't even see them kiss. But, you know, it was shown that they got intimate with each other. And uh, I was like, damn. And then he lost her. She's gone. Uh, And it's his fault. It really is his fault. He would not let go of trying to find Rick Grimes. You can say that's admirable and... You know, you'd have a very valid argument, but he had a chance for some true happiness for himself, and he totally screwed it up. There's no way around it. Daryl Dixon screwed it up. She gave him a choice. You you know, you can go out, and she left, and I don't blame her for leaving. I really don't. Uh, They had spent quite a bit of time together in that cabin. It was a great, it was just a great episode. Not only the interaction between Daryl and Leia, which is the character that, in my opinion, we're never going to see again. Uh, she was great in that one episode that we got. They spent a lot of time together, and we saw a big chunk through the time jumps in that single episode of what Daryl was doing for the six years that we lost after Rick Grimes disappeared. And his number one priority was to find, as he said it, 
his brother. Uh, he didn't say brother, you know, someone who was who became my brother. I mean, he didn't even hesitate. Brother. That was deep. That, that you know, that struck a chord with me. Because that's what Rick Grimes was to Daryl. And that's what Daryl was to Rick. They were brothers. Rick was more of a brother to Daryl than Merle ever was. Uh, and one of the great things about The Walking Dead is just watching over the seasons how their relationship evolved to this great brotherly love relationship that they can fight, they can come to blows, but at the end of the day, they would risk, they would put their own lives on the line for each other. But going back to Daryl, oh, Daryl, 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 man, you messed up. You messed up bad. He never once offered her to bring her back. Uh, to Alexandria, that shows you the state of mind that he was in. Going back to Alexandria, Hilltop, the kingdom, it was nowhere in his train of thought. It was no, no. I'll stay out here in the cabin with Leia uh, and continue searching for Rick. And uh, he didn't even mention to her that he has all these communities that they can leave that cabin, and be with other people. He didn't even give her the opportunity. And that was a kind of a crappy move on his end. Uh, he led her to believe that he was on his own. There is no Alexandria. There is no hilltop, kingdom, Oceanside. None of it. Uh, she had no idea. Uh, at least none of it was shown on the screen, whether that was filmed and cut out, we'll never know. We'll probably never know. But uh, he made a lot of mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. Uh, let me see what you guys are saying. Uh, Lisa writes, I want to know who found Rick's gun and gave it to Judith. It was Michonne. I think Michonne found it. I think we actually saw that she found it, I believe, in on the banks of the river. I could be mistaken. Uh, let's see what else you guys are, are saying. Colette writes, I thought he would have taken off. Sorry, he would have uh, taken her with him. Yep, he did not do that. Uh, John Bond Zombie backs me up. It was Michonne that found the gun in the mud. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Daryl screwed up. And when he went back and he found that she wasn't there anymore, he realized he screwed up. He really did. And uh, he didn't go looking for her. He did not go looking for her. Uh, CC writes, she said, you can continue to look for your brother or stay with me or go back to your family who you don't want to face. Okay, but it wasn't shown... The, they probably filmed it and cut it out where he may actually tell her about the communities, but we didn't actually get to see it. So, but you're right. That could be a little hint. It's a little hint to maybe a scene that was cut out. Uh, Stone Walker writes, Viz, I know you hate theories, but I have a feeling that the Reapers are old whisperers. No, the whisperers are done. 
We're not gonna. There, it's it's a done deal. It's a done deal with the Whisperers. They're not coming back. So it's an interesting theory, but no, the the Reapers are just another group of people, not unlike the you know, all the other groups that we have seen, uh, Saviors, Whisperers, the Governors people. It goes on and on. The Reapers are just one of them. Uh, oh, you meant the Saviors. You think they're leftover saviors. Okay. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of them. When they uh, lost the war in that open field, uh, there was no, I don't think there was a head count done. I don't know if they, if all of them were accounted for. Some of them could have split, uh, went off on their own before Negan went to confront uh, Rick and the gang out in that open field. Some of them could have split. As soon as the the guns backfired, so yeah, I mean, it, it's possible. I don't think so, but it's it's possible. Anything is possible. But what would it do for the story? I mean, if the Reapers are leftover saviors, who cares? As far as the story goes, okay, they're leftover saviors. Oh God, now we're revisiting the old saviors. I don't think the writers want to go that way. It's just uh. Digging up stories that have come to a conclusion is not the way that I think the writers want to go. And that's why I really don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Stonewalker also writes, Jeffrey's going to get his Negan on. Lisa writes, the Reaper that blew himself up was a savior in a previous episode. Okay. Uh, did he have a talking role or was he just a stand-in? If he was just a stand-in... I they do that quite often in TV shows where they will recall back an actor uh, for another part as a stand-in or in this case a person who was a stand-in and then they gave him a couple of lines but if he was a savior like you said okay so yeah no talking role so no I don't think that's it if if it is indeed him and he was uh, if that actor did play a savior, I think they just brought him back. Uh, we have seen that a lot in various different television shows. Not that much on The Walking Dead, but it's been it's been done quite a bit. John Bond Zombie writes, it's the Vatos. Oh man, people just can't let go of the Vatos from season one of The Walking Dead. We'll never know what happened to those poor guys. So, but anyway, we uh, we have some articles, see what the media had to say about the episode. It was not an action-packed episode. Uh, the first episode, the episode we got before this one, had a lot more action. This story was really, this episode was really just to show us what Daryl was doing for the missing six years to give us an on-screen representation so we can have a vision of how he went about looking for Rick and who he encountered. And we, it was big. And I think if things had worked out differently and uh, we, if it, let's say COVID never happened, which means we would have never have gotten these six bonus episodes and we would have went straight from season 10 into season 11 of The Walking Dead, the episode that we saw yesterday is something that we 
probably would have never seen. They would have just left it to our own devices, our own imagination, to how Daryl handled himself during those missing six years. But because of COVID, because of the schedule being all screwed up, and then putting in those six extra episodes, uh, it was a bonus. They actually, I'm glad they decided to dedicate an episode to showing exactly, you know, gave us a glimpse of what Daryl was doing. Uh, Mullet Mayhem uh, is with us on YouTube, says it could just be an Easter egg showing how people go from one group to another as devout followers. I mean, a surviving savior would find another group. I would leave it, and that and means nothing more. It could be. Uh, Stonewalker writes, well, the mask guy is in Mercer, so that theory's off the board. Yeah, yeah. It's not Mercer. Definitely not Mercer. Mercer has been cast, and uh, the masked man is Elijah. And Elijah has a story. Elijah has a story that is going to be further explored as we go deeper into season 11, uh, when that starts. So I think Elijah is going to become a major character on the show. Uh, I'm just curious if he's going to be wearing that mask the majority of the time, or if he's going to come. For me, Elijah in that mask is like Rick Grimes in the first two seasons with his sheriff's outfit, his deputy sheriff's outfit. Uh, throughout season one and the first part of season two, he had on that sheriff's outfit. I think that's going to be the case with Elijah and his mask. For the first several episodes, he is going to really cling on to that thing. But for him, I think it's some kind of protection. You know, like when you get scared in the middle of the night and you pull the sheets over your head, thinking that those sheets are going to protect you. Uh, it. Him covering his face is his way of not showing the world the pain that he is experiencing from what we've learned so far in losing his sister. We know that he recently lost his sister. And we know when uh, Kelly and him were talking in the previous episode and Kelly asked him to pull up the mask, you can see that pain that Elijah is bearing and I think that's one of the main reasons he wears that mask. He doesn't want people to see just how much pain he's in. But I think as the show progresses, he is going to take that mask off. Um, Lisa writes, I wonder why Pope marked Maggie. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, what did Maggie do to this Pope person? Did she do anything? Does this guy, is this guy just a raving lunatic? Uh, is he a Negan, but a Negan without a purpose? At least Negan had a purpose. Negan had a purpose of using people to his advantage, uh, to give him stuff, and he will in return provide protection. Uh, but Pope might be just another governor, you know, and he's totally emotional and, uh, who knows? Uh, who knows what his deal is? So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. That's going to definitely be something to keep an eye on. And uh, we'll see how it works out. If uh, Pope and these Reapers, how do they play in? Are they going to disappear? 
after these six bonus episodes. And they're going to be dealt with and not a factor going into season 11. Because we already know season 11 is going to be about the Commonwealth. Uh, are these Reapers going to play a factor in that? We have no idea. We just got to wait and find out. Um, let's see. Stonewalker writes, I swear Virginia is a Negan wannabe. Yeah, that's how I've described Virginia on Fear the Walking Dead. Virginia is like the female version of Negan in a lot of ways. She's smart. Uh, she's not as good as Negan in keeping her cool and keeping her cards close to the vest. She is secretive. She does have a loyal group of people, you know, within her circle that she trusts. It's not a very big group, but yeah. I'm curious how that Virginia thing is going to work out. And uh, let's not forget, part two, season, the second half of season six of Fear the Walking Dead is going to begin on April 11th. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to that. And for all of you that have AMC+, Plus, today is uh, when uh, episode 19 of The Walking Dead became available to you. And I know some of you have already watched it. Since I didn't watch episode 18 uh, till last night, I started watching it at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> That's how crazy my schedule has been in the last week or so. And like I said yesterday, guys, stay tuned in. We have some big news that we're going to hopefully be able to announce about Dead Talk Live. Hopefully in the next coming days hopefully but it's huge news and it's the reason actually why the schedule has been so wonky uh, as far as when i start the show it's because i'm like multitasking out the wazoo i'm literally doing five to seven different things at any given moment uh khaleesi reminds us that we have clarice tonight Oh, yeah. I love Clarice. So I'm looking forward to watching that. I have uh, episode 19 of The Walking Dead to watch as well. And this is, this is the third episode, which means after this episode, we are halfway done through these six bonus episodes. It's going to go by quick, guys. And then hopefully in October, we will get the beginning of season 11 of The Walking Dead. Hopefully. I know they're shooting it. After they got done shooting the six bonus episodes, they kept everybody on the set. They kept everybody in place and went straight into shooting season 11. So I don't see why we won't get uh, season 11 in its regularly scheduled release time, which would be, which it has been for 10 years, and that would be October. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. And uh, hopefully we'll see season 11 begin in October. Uh, don't forget, guys, this weekend, for those of you here in the United States, uh, you're going to lose an hour of sleep Saturday night. Don't forget to set your clocks forward one hour. We are going into daylight savings time. So, yeah, that's when you guys, uh, everybody loses an hour of sleep between Saturday night into Sunday morning. Uh, Lisa will be watching Clarice later on, as will I. 
So let's get on to uh, what the, the news media had to say, their reviews. Welcome, Andrew Valentine on Instagram. Hey, Andrew, thank you for joining us. So let's go and see what we got, okay? And we didn't discuss dog. Uh, how many of you guys loved finding out the origin story of how dog met Daryl? And uh, not only that, getting a little bit of a story of uh, what happened when dog was born. Uh, for me, it endeared dog even that much more to my heart. And realizing he was not just some stray that Daryl ran into. Daryl, I mean, dog has some deep uh, meaning for Daryl. Uh, it's his only tie to Leah or Leah. I, I think the right way to pronounce it is Leah. I, for me, Leah, I keep going to my Star Wars and it's like Princess Leia. But it can be either Leah or Leah. You know, I'll go, I'll flip-flop back. I'll flip-flop back and forth to make everybody happy. Do you guys think Daryl had legitimate love feelings towards her? Or you think he she was just, he cared for her? But it was not love. I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on that. Do you guys think that Daryl fell in love with her? She fell in love with him. We never heard her say the words, but her actions portrayed that she definitely fell in love with Daryl. Uh, Daryl is a very hard person to read. He doesn't say a lot. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if he fell in love with her. Or if he just really deeply cared about her. And uh, let's see, John writes, uh, I don't think Daryl can love right now. I, you know, I agree. Uh, Douse is also with us on Facebook. Welcome, Douse. Dog and Daryl with a big love heart. Um, I think Daryl is capable of love now. Uh, in the present, in the Walking Dead timeline. When he was out looking for Rick, he was really focused. That was his top priority. And that's why he lost her. Because she realized she was not his top priority. And she wasn't going to stick around for that. And you got to remember, like I said, he did not go looking for her. Uh, which is weird. Which really leads me to believe that he cared about her immensely. But I would not call it love. Uh, especially us knowing Daryl the way we know him. Him laying his life down for the people he loves, you know, he loves the most. Him just leaving a note in her secret spot uh, after she pretty much cleared it out. She took the picture of her son, uh, which for me, indicated she was not planning on returning. He just left a note. And he didn't say, I'm looking for you. In the note, he says, come find me. What do you guys think about that? I mean, put yourself in uh, Leah's position. You go back to that cabin. You open up those uh, wooden boards. You open the box. And you see a note from Daryl that says, come find me. I'd be like, no. No, you made your choice. 
So just another reason why I really think he screwed that up. Busy B uh, with us on YouTube writes, he cared but did not want to get too attached. I agree with you. I really do. So the Walking Dead recap, Dog Days. The opening, the opening scene of this episode sets tone for what's to follow. Numerous failed attempts at kickstarting something exciting. Okay, so this is probably going to be a negative review. Is that too harsh? Maybe. But considering we're flashing back to a large portion of the five or six years Daryl spent looking for Rick down by the river, expectations were high. There is much ground to cover literally and figuratively. As our favorite bow hunting brooder grapples with his complex relationship with Carol in parallel with a mystery with a mystery woman he met in the woods. A few interesting dots are connected. But without pushing the story forward much, and only a precious few zombie kills to liven things up, perhaps the best way to think about this chapter is that it's not really Daryl's story. It's Dog's origin story. I like that. The tone is set as Carol and Daryl head out to gather firewood or hunt deer or catch trout or whatever. They quickly fall into the rhythm of two pals who bust chops and finish each other's sentences. Carol apparently has a weirdly specific strong right foot and even stronger spearfishing skills, the latter of which doesn't prevent Daryl from delivering some fillet technique mansplaining. In a somber moment, Carol suggests their luck has run out. That's curious. How is she now coming to that conclusion? What is your definition of good luck, Carol? Have things been looking up since your son was beheaded? Seems that that cycle of momentary optimism, followed by depraved violence and soul-crushing misery, was pretty well established a long time ago. Dog's discovery of an old ramshackle cottage in the woods catches Daryl off guard. Also odd, as if an expert tracker didn't realize they were so close to a location that holds so much significance to him. Apparently, Carol knows a lot more about Daryl's MIA years than we do, including the existence of the shotgun-wielding woman. As they give the place a one-over, Daryl has the look of someone forced to remember something he'd hoped to forget. Thus begin a series of flashbacks, first jumping five years into the past, then ahead a month at a time, Daryl's roughing it with a makeshift shelter and a map of the river. Carol occasionally stops by to drop off care packages. She almost seems guilty that she's got to tend to uh, Ezekiel and Henry back at the kingdom. That free-spirited part of her seems to wish she was out here living off the land and looking for Rick. There's also the hint of a complicated love they share that's deep beneath the surface. A hint of romance, but more so just two people who understand each other deeply and have a sort of emotional x-ray vision 
when it comes to the other's fears and bullshit. But back to Dog, Daryl first meets him as a wee puppy who gives him some good boy face licks and then scampers away. His mama ain't so friendly, though. She ties Daryl up, holds him at gunpoint, and mocks the notion that she's the one who needs saving in this scenario. Why? What kind of help do you think I need, Daryl? The extra stink she puts on his name really stings. Six months later, Dog is grown, and Daryl gets a slightly warmer response from the mystery woman. Apologies for all this time. We thought Daryl was the only one with no creativity when it comes to pet names. It's Shotgun Sally who gets the blame for that. And they're calling her Shotgun Sally. I think that's hysterical. Daryl and his new frenemy quickly develop the rapport of a couple celebrating 50 years of semi-happy marriage. After a very close call with a pack of zombies, they yell at each other and storm off. Three months later, he throws a fish at her door as a peace offering. Yeah, Daryl, that scene with the fish, Daryl needs to, uh, I mean, yeah, it's been the apocalypse for a long, long time, and he may have forgotten, but if he's willing to, you know, if he's trying to win her over, uh, throwing a raw fish at someone's door, maybe in the zombie apocalypse, you know, might earn him some points. But I thought that was hysterical. She, in turn, throws it at his head. And, some, and somehow, two people who barely know each other are in a fight. As unintentionally comical as their banter becomes, good, great, bye, I thought you were going, I am. So is the speed at which the rapidly turns into a TMI session for the ages. Leia, as we know, goes from impenetrable to open book and spills her life story. The little boy in the shattered picture frame, metaphor alert, is her faux son, born to her faux sister, both part of, quote-unquote, the squad. That felt more like a family to her than the real one ever did. I'm wondering if Daryl is thinking, hey lady, a couple of hours ago, you threw a bass at my head, and now we're in therapy? Can I just get the feeding, uh, sorry, can I just get the... Can I just get the feeling back in my fingers before you download your entire biography? Not only did she lose her sorta son, but Dog's mama was pregnant when they were set upon by the undead. This literally could not get more tragic. Some may say Daryl's crossbow or survival skills are his best weapons. But I submit that his superpower is active listening. And that's true. Daryl is a great listener. A show of hands among all of you Daryl fans who think he's a peak he's at peak sexy when he's intently focused on a woman's story. Eventually, there's a soft focus scene by the uh, roaring fire, which thankfully, and perhaps disappointingly for some doesn't devolve into a cliche sex scene. We get it. They hooked up. Ten months later, the honeymoon is long over 
as Daryl feels compelled to spend a few more years on the hunt for Rick. Leia delivers an ultimatum, your quest, your family, or me. And his response is to flee. Not sure why Daryl couldn't split the difference and bring her back to A-Town. If Leah's ready to love this guy, why not meet his friends, especially when they live in a pretty decent neighborhood, considering it's the, it's the zombie apocalypse. Leia and Carol's storylines uh, come crashing together as we see one final flashback. Daryl returning to the love shack to find Leah was gone. If she's alive, it's a mystery as to why she'd leave Dog behind. And that that's a question. Why would she leave Dog behind? That's not something she would do, especially since Dog uh is real really reminds her of her son. That that doesn't make a lot of sense, and that's a good point. So now we know it's not just Rick and Daryl's hope uh is alive and blames himself for losing. Rick's fate certainly isn't on him, but Leia's, maybe. Carol tries to lift the self-blame from his shoulders, but Daryl lashes out with a nasty burn, targeting her for the possible death of his other crush, Connie. I love that line. When when Carol was telling Daryl that so-and-so is not on you, and -and so-and-so is not on you, and when she gets to Connie and she has the balls enough to say that's not on you, I loved him just turning around and saying, no, that's on you. I love that line. This is where he belongs, Daryl says, here with these people. But he shouldn't have let Carol hop back on her fishing boat and leave them all behind. Ouch. That lands hard, prompting Carol to echo her earlier observation. Our luck's run out. You and me. Something tells me that if Carol goes anywhere, it won't be for long. And that both Connie and Leia are alive, which will make for quite a Daryl triangle or rectangle if you throw Carol in the mix. Oh, I have not even thought of that. We've been one. We've been waiting for ten years to see if Daryl is going to get a love interest. Wouldn't it be funny if he goes from no love interest to a love triangle between him, Leia, and Connie? I like him and Connie. I really do. But him and Leia also made a good couple. I'm just really pissed at the character for screwing it up. Uh, John Bond zombie, right? It means. It means death if it's uh, the mob doing it. Just saying. CC Weezy says because she is coming back. Leia left Daw because she plans on coming back. Well, that's just a guess, CC Weezy. I mean, still, it's a dog. You leave him to fend for him, you know, uh, for themselves while you go off somewhere. We have no idea where she is. She doesn't know anybody. Uh, everyone she knew is gone. So where did she go? And if she's coming, planning on coming back, which she hasn't, years have passed since he last saw her. Uh, what's up with that? 
And another thing, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but when they're in the present and Carol and Daryl find the cabin and Carol finds the loose floorboards and opens it up, does she see Daryl's note that he left for her when he went back and found that she was gone? Or was that note missing? I don't think we got clarity on that, on that issue. I don't think, I don't think they clarified that. Um, Colette writes, now that would be fun, a love triangle. Ugh. <laughs> that would be fun. I have no idea how Daryl would handle, well, you know, something happened between him and Leia, okay? Nothing has yet happened between him and Connie. Uh, we know that he likes Connie, and Connie likes him as well. In fact, she's the one that made sort of the first moves on him to let him know that she's interested. Uh, but that would be really interesting to play out, you know, and see how that would, how the writers, how much fun the writers would have with that story. Let's see what other people have to say. Uh, the name of the episode was called Find Me. Let's see what they say. As far as episodes of The Walking Dead go, Home Sweet Home will not be considered one of the brighter lights of the vastly improved Season 10, though it was very far from the nadir of the series. Now, Home Sweet Home was the episode before this one. This show has been better, and it has been also much worse. Overall, The Walking Dead is trending up under the direction of showrunner Angela Kang, thanks to a focus on improved writing over twists, spectacle, and cliffhangers on a show that has never needed them. That's a good point. Generally, that has paid off, and no episode exemplifies the new focus more than Find Me does this week. Daryl Dixon has become the heart of The Walking Dead, and fans are always going to want more of him, especially when he pairs off with his platonic soulmate, Carol. These two characters have 10 seasons of history together, with their relationship really cementing into place during seasons two hunt for Sophia and continuing on through other relationships, moving halfway up the Atlantic seaboard battling off hundreds of armed men and thousands of zombies and any number of emotional breakdowns. Through all seasons, Carol and Daryl have had each other, even if it has never been in the romantic way that the Carol shippers have written uh, reams of pages and fan fiction about. Has that really happened? Have people really written fan fiction about a Daryl and Carol romance. I just, I like it the way it is. I like how the writers took it. They kept them as best friends, platonic, brother-sister, and for me, that's how it's supposed to be. Khaleesi writes, that lady that wrote this episode said her and Angela talked uh, and decided to film Daryl and Leah's love scene the way they did because of the fans. They knew that too many uh, shipped Daryl and Carol and Daryl and Connie. Okay, so they, I guess they realized they were in a no-win situation when they were going to film 
that scene and what they ultimately decided was to make it very, very short. Uh, Colette writes, when it took us to nine months later, I was expecting a baby Daryl. Wow. Now, wouldn't have that have been a twist? Wouldn't it have been a freaking twist if we would have found out in last week's episode that Daryl has a baby out there somewhere that Leia was pregnant when she left him? And they could still do that. There's no reason why they still can't do that. What if Leia left because she realized she was pregnant with Daryl's baby? Now, there's a story right there. I don't know if the writers of The Walking Dead want to go down that road, but the possibilities are wide open if they do. Continuing on with the article, it's really well-written stuff, courtesy of Nicole Morante Matthews' script. Uh, Throughout both the storylines involving Daryl and Carol, and Daryl and Leia, the excellent Lynn Collins, uh, the same conversations happen from different angles. Even something as innocent as Carol going spearfishing reminds Daryl of the woman who, one assumes, has disappeared from his life for good and left him nothing but memories, a a dilapidated cabin and dog. He was running then, using Rick being missing as an excuse to avoid his friends, his family, and anyone else who might entangle him. Similar to the situation Carol was in when Daryl was dragged uh, her off the off the boat and forced her to dry out and uh, let's see this screen keeps refreshing and I keep losing my place okay forced her to dry out and return to society and further back still to when Carol was staying just outside of the kingdom to avoid her feelings for Ezekiel I'm sorry guys but the reason Carol was staying in that cabin was not because she had feelings for Ezekiel at the time. Uh, I appreciate this writer's take on it, but how many of you guys thought that was the reason why Carol was staying in that cabin outside of the kingdom? It's because she wanted to be close to Ezekiel. No. No. That never even crossed my mind until I just read it. Uh, Lisa writes, that was my thinking, Viz. And she left after he didn't give her an answer. Hey, Summer. Thank you for joining us, Summer. Volk is also with us on Instagram. And Waving Braden is also with us. Uh, King is also with us. Welcome, guys. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. Love the floating hearts. So, let's see. Uh, Every line that feels weighted comes back later on in the episode in a touching way with Daryl parroting back life lessons learned from Leah when dealing with Carol. She touched him, rescued him in a way, and he's trying to use the same conversation, the same bits of wisdom, the same lessons he had to learn the hard way on Carol, only to find limited to no success in reaching her And you have to admit, Carol is one stubborn-ass lady. Uh, Even when Daryl confronts her, 
about the whole Connie issue. She is still convinced that all the stuff that she did uh, was the right thing to do. Now, letting Negan out of the, the jail was the right thing to do. I think as the show continues and we have more hindsight behind us, uh, that is really going to prove to be the good decision. But everything else that she did, especially when they were trapped in that cave, uh, that resulted, her actions resulted in Connie and Magna getting trapped in there, uh, and Connie disappearing, uh, Magna getting separated from Connie after they escaped the cave. I still cannot believe that she's sticking to her making right decisions throughout the entirety of season 10 because she has not. Uh, CC writes, I just watched the scene where Carol pulled up the floorboards and says, yes, Daryl, note was still there. Good to know. Good to know. So Leia never came back for that note. Or if she did, she found it and left it alone. But more than likely, she has not been back to the cabin. Maybe she left Dog behind because she did realize that Daryl would return eventually. And she felt Dog would be a better companion for Daryl. I find that a little hard to swallow, but it could be the case. You never know. She's been through a hard life just like Daryl and Leah, and she's turned herself into someone strong, capable, and smart, but at a cost to herself. She's on the same self-destructive path Daryl had to be dragged off of, and Carol doesn't have a Leah around who can save her. Carol and Daryl have too long of a history together for him to be able to do that for her. She's been around him for too long and weathered too many similar moody spells for him to be able to look past his former actions to hear the wisdom in his current words. The Leia relationship works thanks in no small part to the performances of Norman Reedus and Lynn Collins who go from adversarial to intimate over the course of multiple jumps in time. I can't actually follow along with the timeline to any degree, even with the on-screen prompts. So far as where it intersects with the main series, the flow of the Daryl and Leia-centric events is easy to track, both in how their relationship changes with the timestamps but I'm not entirely sure where in the greater narrative this gap takes place, aside during the kingdom's time of struggle. Carol does mention that in one of her meetups with Daryl that the kingdom is suffering. They don't mention anything about Michonne besides the fact of Daryl asking, asking Carol, how's Michonne, how's the kids? We don't get to hear anything about Michonne locking down Alexandria from the rest of the communities or anything like that. Carol just doesn't get into any kind of specifics. Uh, then again, the actual timing of the relationship doesn't matter. Aside from showing the influence of passing time 
and loneliness on the two main characters involved, Daryl and Leia's relationship grows economically, and director David Boyd makes good enough use of the time jumps to fill in the gaps of development from their initial adversarial meeting, with Leia holding Daryl at gunpoint to their disagreement over land that devolves into fish-throwing and snapping at one another like a couple of five-year-olds, raised on a screwball comedy. It's clever and cute, and even without any implied physical intimacy, both Reedus and Collins are able to get across emotional intimacy in the forming, honeymoon, and dissolution of their relationship as it plays out in a crucial scene before blowing up. And there was definite signs that they were physically intimate. I don't think anybody can argue that. You know, they those two knocked boots. Okay, to go back to an old saying. Uh, let's see, this freaking screen jumped again. Uh, the story is told in details from the aging of dog to the state of the cabin between when Daryl storms out and then returns to go back to the place and the person that he does belong with, but he was too late. Collins, in particular, does a masterful job of presenting a fully formed character character in a handful of scenes. The chemistry between her and Norman Reedus is solid, if secondary to his chemistry with Melissa McBride. That she can even approach Carol in that regard is a testament to her skill and Boyd's ability to guide actors. What didn't necessarily work in Maggie's return episode worked really well here, and the sense of injury and finality in the final moments of the episode in which Carol decides that their luck as a, sorry, as their luck as a friend pairing has run out. Palpably hurts for both characters, but does not feel artificial. Carol and Daryl might be on the outs now, but it will not last forever. They're too much alike to get along perfectly forever, but they've been through too much to let one another down. Daryl was asked by Leia to decide where he belonged, and he came to that decision too late to salvage their relationship. Carol won't make the same mistake, and even if she does, mistakes only catch up with you if you let them, and Carol is not that type. So there you guys have it. It was a good episode, like I said. If you were looking for a lot of action, that was not what uh, Find Me was about. It was really to fill in the gaps as to what Daryl Dixon was doing for the six-year time jump that we all experienced after Rick disappeared. Daryl did uh, find a relationship, and it was funny that, you know, through that long period of uh, no episodes during COVID and all the theories that were being thrown around, not one person, at least that I heard, not one person you know, threw out a theory that possibly Daryl could have hooked up during those missing six years. 
because we knew Daryl the way we know Daryl, we just assumed that he was out there day and night, which for the most part he was, looking for Rick, you know, and that's all he did. But he did come across someone. I don't think he fell in love with them. I think he cared about them very much. I personally like to believe that Leia did fall in love with Daryl, even though she never told him. And when he made the decision to leave, uh, she couldn't handle it. She couldn't take it. And she had every right to leave, and I don't blame her. I absolutely do not blame her in the slightest bit. Anyway, guys, that's our review of The Walking Dead Episode Season 10, Episode 18. For those of you that have AMC+, Plus, Episode 19 is available as of now. For the rest, it will be available this Sunday night on AMC. And I know for those of you living in the UK and in Europe, it will be available for you guys on Monday evening to watch the next episode. And I forget, we've been over it so many times, but I, I the next episode is we, it, the next episode is going to be really interesting because we get to see a lot of Aaron and we get to figure out what the hell Aaron is doing through all the teasers that we have seen before these episodes started to air. Like, why in the world is he holding a gun to his head? I believe in this week's episode is the episode that we get to see Robert Patrick from, uh, you know, Robert Patrick was the uh, Terminator in Terminator 2. Uh, he's definitely a bad guy. I believe his character name is going to be Maze. Um, Robert Patrick is an amazing actor, so I'm really excited. I think we're also going to get to see Negan in this episode as well. I could be wrong. But I think somehow Negan is involved in this next episode along with Aaron. And we're going to get to meet Maze, who's played by the brilliant Robert Patrick. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. I apologize for the late start again tonight. Don't forget, we have two guests. Uh, no, three guests over the course of three days, starting Monday and Tuesday. And uh, to let you guys know on some more upcoming guests, I mentioned yesterday we're getting Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th Part 6. And today we actually confirmed uh, Roger from the original Dawn of the Dead. Remember, he got bit on the leg and he's in the iconic Dawn of the Dead poster where he's a zombie. And, uh, you know, he pulls the sheet down after he dies. And we see him as a zombie before he's taken out. Uh, he's going to be our guest as well. And he's going to be with us on March 26th. And that is a Friday. So, a lot of cool guests coming up right here on Dead Talk Live. Hopefully, I'll be able to make that big announcement here in the next several days as well. So, keep tuning in, guys. A lot of exciting stuff is going to be happening here, and it's going to be happening quickly. Uh, I'll be back again on the air tomorrow night 
Uh, this hour just flies by every single night. I know I keep saying it, but it cannot be any more true. It really does fly by. And I enjoy talking to each and every one of you. Uh, we got one more episode, tomorrow's episode. And then we have to remind you guys of the guest, Alok Mishra and uh, Naomi Grossman. Naomi Grossman was an American horror story as Penny. And Alec and Naomi, Alec was the producer of 1BR. Naomi also appeared in 1BR. Tuesday, we have the star of 1BR. So if you guys want some homework over the weekend and you have Netflix, watch the movie 1BR. It's a great movie. You won't regret it. And Monday and Tuesday, we are going to have executive producers and starring cast over the course of two days. So you're going to be getting a lot of information. So if you want a good movie to watch over the weekend, check out Netflix. The movie is called 1BR. Stay safe, everybody. I'll be back again tomorrow night. And until then, remember, stay walking. Good night.